Hi guys. So I am thrilled to introduce Kate Alice Marshall, the author of the YA paranormal horror books, Rules for Vanishing and Our Last Echoes. Her upcoming novel, These Fleeting Shadows, will be released on August 9th of this year. And she has also written the YA survival novel, I Am Still Alive, and the middle grade series, The Secrets of Eden Eld. Hi. Hello, Uh, thank you for having me. Of course, this is so much fun. Our first question for you is that I Am Still Alive was your first book. And after writing that, you started writing more like paranormal, young adult and middle grade books. So I want to know how did the writing process for I Am Still Alive compare to the writing process for your first paranormal book that you wrote, which is Rules for Vanishing? Well, before I wrote I Am Still Alive, I had written quite a bit of fantasy and science fiction and horror. So I Am Still Alive was actually more of a departure for me. Uh, And um, I wrote it while on a writing retreat in the mountains in a nice uh, nature-y setting uh, for inspiration. And the main difference in writing that for me was that I had to actually like look up (laughs) what kind of danger I could create and what kind of solutions there could be uh, rather than inventing cool supernatural solutions to problems. But ultimately at the heart of all of those books uh, is the, the characters and what happens to them and what solutions they come up with for their problems. I try to always make sure is consistent with their character arcs. And so whether I am drawing from the real world or creating a supernatural one, I always have that sort of check to make sure that things are running parallel and connecting in uh, in a satisfying manner. So in that way, they're pretty similar. Um, and for both of them, I tend to write, uh, to, to plot by finding images or moments of really high emotion like uh, dread or fear or relief and writing towards those moments. So for instance, in I Am Still Alive, the the key moment that I was writing to for a lot of the book was the time when she realizes that she needs to dig up a grave. And it's extremely emotional uh, and very um, grim and very tangibly horrific. And so in a lot of ways, that is a horror moment, even though there's nothing supernatural in it. And I do the same thing in my other books, but with more of a surreal and magical edge to it. That definitely shines through. One of the things I love about your books is you could just like solve everything paranormally for your paranormal books, but you always like maintain that logic and you keep things grounded. And I never know how you're going to solve the character's problems, but I know that like, I'm going to feel satisfied. So like, yes. I I often also don't know how I'm going to solve the problems while I'm writing. (laughs) Well, that makes it even more unpredictable and amazing. It's a lot easier to get characters into trouble than out of it, I've found. <laughs> it's so hard to do that. You know, so many people fall short when they're trying to get their characters out of a squabble and they do it in a way that just confuses the readers. But obviously you've avoided that. And, you know, in a more natural 
way of thinking, I guess nature is such an integral part of your novels. And in Rules for Vanishing, the road that the characters find themselves on is in the middle of a spooky forest. And Our Last Echoes takes place on a remote island, of course. And does the setting of your books inspire your uh, suspenseful suspenseful plots or vice versa? Um, I think what I am most drawn to in those settings is the isolation. Uh, whether it's the island or the road uh, or the wilderness in I Am Still Alive, all of them are a way of removing the characters from a support system and from their sort of natural, comfortable context, uh, which really heightens the danger. And, you know, I've grown up in the Pacific Northwest and I spent my childhood sort of wandering around in suburban woods and imagining that there was magic around the next tree, you know, very vivid uh, imaginary games I played with my friends for that just like spanned years at a time. Uh, and so I find myself returning to the woods in particular over and over again in my writing. Uh, it's always appealed to me as um, sort of a, a liminal space where, you know, the edge of civilization meets this other world that we don't control and that doesn't really care about us. And I think that that has a lot of potential to both create emotional human stories and a sense of danger and strangeness from which either realistic or supernatural threats can arise. That is incredible. I find that like I really like books that have nature in them for that reason. Like, you know, nature doesn't care about you. Anything could happen. And you take that and just like, your books are some of my favorite books that have nature as kind of like the villain. Cause it can simultaneously be like, and I'm still alive, a natural threat. And in your paranormal books, it's like paranormal and natural. Like there's all this weird stuff going on, but at the very base of it, there is that nature kind of like villainous component, which is really cool. <laughs> Yeah, I'm definitely very drawn to uh, the imagery of the combination of horror and nature. And, you know, uh, it's it's I, I'm not sure I've written one of a book that is really mine until there is a plant growing somewhere it shouldn't be. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> There's such like a visceral reaction. I just finished reading Our Last Echoes a couple weeks ago and like listening all the bird imagery in my head, like I still see it. I still feel all that like visceral reaction. So like excellent job. Fantastic. Thank you. And also like going in that same vein, YA horror is such a challenging genre to master because like kids don't really have attention spans, um, but you do a phenomenal job at keeping readers on the edge of their seats. And at least in my case, when I'm reading, like scared in a good way, um, like I, I could not go to sleep after reading Rules for Vanishing. So how do you maintain that sense of like danger in your books? I know you talked about a little bit like the fear and the dread scenes. Uh, yeah, like I said, it's a lot easier to get characters into danger than out of it. And so I tend to just uh, keep pushing and making things darker and more hopeless up until the point where I actually cannot get them out of trouble. Um, and, you know, I write about what unsettles me. I try not to aim for writing something scary necessarily because 
that's so individual to every person what the reader is going to find scary. So when people say, you know, oh, this book wasn't very scary, I'm like, yeah, that's fine. It's not necessarily supposed to be. What I want to do is find something unsettling and strange and intriguing and, you know, putting that in front of anyone in real life and putting it in front of the characters who uh, are actually experiencing it, they're going to be scared and they're going to, Uh, have to contend with it. Um, And so I just try to keep things grounded in that um, the unexpected and the uncanny and then let the scares flow from that for the readers that, you know, click into it. (laughs) I love that. You're never manipulating the people's emotions. Like, you know, so many horror books can do that where you kind of feel manipulated, but your books feel very like you're kind of naturally drawn to feeling like afraid or unsettled. And it's so interesting that you bring up the, you know, subjectivity of what freaks you out, you know, because it's, you said yourself, it's, it's more unsettling than horrific. Um, And I think that's so interesting that you bring that up because that's hard to do. You know, a lot of it is just typical run of the mill jump scare, but you don't need that to be freaked out. And I think that it's super enjoyable as a reader to find that, especially because I myself not the biggest horror fan because I'm very scared very easily. But I think the unsettlingness of a book is much more appealing than utterly freaky. You know, and back to the setting comment, how do you create such detailed paranormal worlds in a world like ours that obviously isn't? Well, You know, I said I have a a background in fantasy and science fiction, which are obviously very heavy on world building. Uh, And so I have experience in creating these worlds that have a lot of internal logic um, and that are that surface that logic so that the reader is there along with you. Um, And I tend to think of horror as being like that, but you the reader doesn't get to know what all of those internal logic structures are all the time. You know, you don't see the ecology, you just see where it's breaking through into your world. And this is something strange that doesn't belong. And you don't know where it sits in its own food chain or whatever, you just know that it's trying to eat you. Um, And so I always try to know what the logic is and then make decisions about how much the characters or the reader get to know. Um, And some of that is because the more you know about a system, sometimes it gets less scary and less weird because, you know, if it's not just, um, you know, a monster coming to eat you, but this is this species that lives in those mountains and, you know, it starts to be like, okay, it's a threat, but it's a knowable threat. And I'm interested in the unknowable threats. So it's all about figuring out how things work and then figuring out how much of it I can hide. Um, And sometimes I go at that sort of from the bottom up. Uh, You know, I, I create the world of the horror and then figure out how it's intruding in our world. Or um, more often, what I do is I think of something freaky (laughs) that unsettles me, um, that seems like it would be frightening or just look really cool. 
And then I build the logic out under it. And that means that sometimes I come up with something cool and I try to add it to my logic and it doesn't work and I have to take it out. But usually I can find a way to work it in. That is so cool. And like you feel that so much reading your books that even though you as a reader don't know everything about the world, you know that there are those like rules and that logic to the world. And like, at least in my experience, like I trust that you're gonna, you know, have things work in a way that makes sense, given the rules of your world and the universe. Like in so many books, the ending is just like the main character was a ghost the whole time. And you're like, oh, okay. Um, That doesn't really make sense, but I guess whatever. But um, that leads into our next question, which is that like your paranormal mysteries specifically remain grounded because your worlds like have that sense of order to them. And the plot twists in your mysteries follow the rules you establish so that the readers feel like they're totally kind of shocked, or at least I'm always shocked, but they're like, oh, well, that does make sense. Like, I'm satisfied with that ending. So how do you, do you create an unpredictable paranormal mystery that still, like, makes sense regarding the structure of your universes? I mean, that's a, a constant struggle. <laughs> and it's certainly something that I am continuing to uh hone as a skill. Um, I am sort of a hybrid between outlining and just kind of making it up as I go. Uh, So often what I'll do is I have a sense of the sort of key concept of the book and the, the main thrust of what I want the supernatural elements to be and to be about in terms of um, what emotions or themes I want to evoke. So like for our last echoes, I knew that I wanted to do something with the doubles, um, with the echoes of people. And I knew that I wanted this mystery of um, the main character, Sophia's mother having gone missing. Um, And I had the setting uh, and birds and I wanted to do freaky things with birds. And that was about all I had to start with. And so as I started building it out and I realized that Sophia was going to encounter her own echo, uh, I, I did some outlining where I knew what the plot beats were going to be, but I didn't know what kinds of big twists were coming because I didn't yet know what the emotion that I wanted to create would be. And so I got, I I almost always get about a third of the way into writing the book. And then I have to stop because now I know what the book is actually about. (laughs) And so then I re-outline it and I almost always get about two thirds of the way into the book. And then I stop and I work through it again because I've realized how I need to set up the ending so it does have that big flip. Uh, So it's just a process of going back and forth and finding what I've already created that is going to tie into that finale and then making sure that all of the logic supports it. And especially, and this is something that um, I'm, I'm trying to focus on now is finding the things that uh, are extraneous and distracting from that main uh, arc and that twist and snipping them out, even if they're really cool. (laughs) (laughs) 
They do love to say, kill your darlings. Um, Coming from that, I think that choosing, you know, writing style is just as important. And the way the book looks to the reader is just as important as what the content is. And both Rules for Vanishing and Our Last Echoes have different, they're not just a novel format. You know, they have interview transcripts and the characters, video footage transcripts and the like. And how do they, sorry, they do make for a dynamic reading experience. And why did you choose to put these in your books? They're so unique and they add to it, but they're, it's different than what you would normally find. I've wanted to do something like that with the ephemera and the sort of mixed media format for a long time. Um, and I was just looking for the right project to uh, land on for it. Um, I was particularly inspired by a book called Night Film, uh, which <laughs> uses a lot of uh, images and articles and things like that. Um, and uh, also the book House of Leaves has a description of a video. And that's something I really love is the finding ways to use prose and novel format to describe a different format in a way that transforms it and creates it in your imagination in a way that it wouldn't necessarily if you know, I can describe a picture and describe how frightening a picture is. And that might be much more effective in creating the image of that in your mind than actually seeing a photograph. And so I love playing with describing visual uh, mediums, media or music, things like that, and transforming them into words that create an effect in your imagination. Uh, that can be more personal and more powerful. And so I just wanted to play with that. And then um, the other thing that I really wanted to do with sort of a found footage element is to play with what I think of as negative space. Um, so when you're in artwork, the empty spaces uh, are the negative space and they can be as important as what you actually draw and what you actually see. And so I wanted to play with creating story in the gaps and the things that you don't see. And found footage, uh, the, the video transcripts um, and things like that really helped me do that through playing with point of view and um, what people know and don't know and see and don't see and the gap between what the reader knows and what the characters know. That's so true. And the found footage is so interesting. It's very Blair witchy, very freaky. And it's so interesting that you bring up House of Leaves, which personally I love, um, which is funny because I'm not a horror fan, but I think that House of Leaves is exactly as you described it. It's not terrifying. It's unsettling. I think that's so interesting that you draw that comparison. Yeah, and also I love Marisha Pestle. So hearing that, <laughs> hearing you mention Night Film, I've been meaning to read Night Film, but that's a whole thing. Um, but I love what you were saying about like playing with perspective, because the ephemera in Rules for Vanishing, it's kind of like a future or yeah, like future and then past timelines. And so when you hear the characters talking to the person who's conducting the interview you have no idea really what they're talking about in some of the time. So it's, it's just so cool that you make readers feel super curious about, well, what does this character know that she didn't know in the past or like what's going to happen to her 
um, all of that just, it makes for such a, an unsettling and really compelling experience. So that was so cool to hear your whole thought process behind that. And also your characters are so endearing in your stories, even though they're tackling all these paranormal happenings and challenging challenges, they feel like they just like come off of the page and they could be your friend. So how do you write like organic character development and character growth while these characters are tackling these really huge challenges? For me, characters are the absolute most important thing in the book to get right. And uh, they are, even in a very plot-driven book, everything needs to uh, return to what is the character arc and who are these characters and why are they making these decisions and what are these things going to do to them as people. And so in every single book I write, I'm always trying to uh, focus on getting those character arcs right and to get better as a writer at creating those characters and giving them depth and making them uh, weave into the plot as tightly as possible. Um, and sometimes like with Rules for Vanishing, there's nine people on the road <laughs> at the beginning. And um, so, you know, you don't have a lot of time with some of the characters. But even there, what I tried to do was give even the characters who only have a little bit of time with you um, a surface quality, something that is obvious and immediately engaging about them so that you kind of get a sense of their personality from a very short span of time. And then I gave all of them a hidden dimension or a, a specific secret for them to hold on to. And not all of those secrets end up coming out in the book, but it helps to create immediate dimension, even if you're going to have a character who walks on for two pages and leaves again. Um, and I find a lot that with particularly secondary characters, I don't really know who they are until they actually walk into a scene and start talking. Uh, and I just try to pay attention to what speech patterns uh, they fall into and keep those consistent and unique um, or give them something visually uh, really interesting that raises a question about them. Um, and then for more major characters, it's just really looking at what, what is that arc, what's changing about them and what's being challenged about them in this book and how can I make the plot or even the spooky thing that they see reflect that in some way so it reinforces it for the reader. That this when you said that thing that every character had a secret, that's one of the coolest things I've ever heard. Do, can you tell us what one of the secrets was that you didn't put on page? Oh, I might not be able to remember. It's been a while. Oh, um, no worries. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, let's see, who didn't I, um, I had some stuff for that our, our poor lamented forgotten Nick um, had like a bunch of character background that does not come up at all. And oh. <laughs> because 
uh, spoilers, uh, he's there, there's a good reason he's not in a lot of the scenes. Um, and he only appears in a, a few of the transcripts and stuff. There just was not room to get any of that in. Uh, <laughs> my heart <laughs> like he's, he's got a complicated home life and he's got I I knew which subjects at school he was good at and um things like that and then it's like sorry you're you're the first to go <laughs> oh, that's that's heartbreaking but it's still it served the story and your story is perfect so I wouldn't change anything but um also I love like rules for vanishing specifically I remember all of the characters even though I read the book when it first came out you do such a good job of like leaving a lasting impression on the reader and I know a lot of your readers I was reading Goodreads reviews really appreciate that you had I think his name is Jeremy be like deaf and you included a lot of like diverse character backgrounds so all of that just leaves like such a mark on at least like my mind like I remember all of your characters you do a great job with that thank you <laughs> yeah of course and one thing I was I'm literally dying to know is were you planning on creating there are two cross like characters that cross over between rules for vanishing and our last echoes and they're Dr. Ashford and Abby and I want to know were you planning on including a crossover of them being like side characters and rules for vanishing and then main characters in our last echoes or did it come about spontaneously and also and this is very important will you be be writing a third book in the universe because I would love it uh well taking those two questions one at a time um in the very earliest version of our last echoes it was not connected at all and it wasn't supernatural uh, so they weren't in that version, but as soon as I realized that I had this mystery that I never really got into, never really found the heart of, um, uh, and realized that I wanted to incorporate it into the next Ashford Files book, um, I pretty much immediately decided that I wanted Abby to show up in it, um, and the, the idea was to be able to have these standalone supernatural incidents um, and, but increase the involvement of the team so that it starts to feel more unified without becoming like a, a pure sequential series um, that you have to follow along because I really like doing one-off stories of that sort of thing. But I, I also love just seeding in connections um, and Easter eggs and things like that. Um, and I really liked writing the hints of Abby in Rules for Vanishing and I wanted to explore more of her personality and what the heck she's doing with this guy and things like that. Um, so she was, she was part of it pretty early on. Uh, and, uh, I would really love to write, uh, a third book that would, um, I've gone back and forth on whether it would just be from her perspective or not, but definitely, uh, follow up on, uh, the hints about her story at the end of our last echoes. There aren't currently any plans, uh, but um, I will do it in some form. Uh, 
eventually, probably in the next um, couple of years. So you can keep an eye out and I'll find some way <laughs> to get to that. I have like the ephemera partially written um, uh, that's been, I've had it written for a very long time about this kind of cult video game that uh, holds a bunch of secrets. And so I got to write a bunch of forum posts about people analyzing secrets in, in this like janky old video game and stuff like that. So I'm really looking forward to tying that all together. That is so cool. I, I'm going to be waiting for that forever. That is like the coolest thing I have ever heard. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, coming up, coming off of all that, what, what can we expect to see from you in the future? Are you planning on staying in the same realm? Are you going to expand what you're looking at? Well, I have uh, the, my next young adult horror novel is coming out in August and that's These Fleeting Shadows, um, which is very much the same vibe, (laughs) but not the same world or characters. Uh, And um, after that, I've been working on a uh, more of a traditional ghost story with my own weird touches to it set at a boarding school. Um, So you can look forward to that, although it does not yet have a title other than I just titled it Damp Ghosts. (laughs) So that will not be what it's called. (laughs) Um, And then I have uh, the last book in the Eden Eld series is coming out soon. Uh, And then I'll be hopping into a new fun, spooky uh, middle grade Uh, adventure after that. And then I do have some other things on the horizon that I cannot talk about, but stay tuned. Watch this space. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I will definitely be staying tuned. Thank you so much for giving us your time today. Um, I will be reloading your website every day to see if you (laughs) post those video game forum, like in ever whatever form you (laughs) choose to. But this was an incredible interview. I loved seeing like the behind the scenes of all this stuff because I've had questions about so much of it for so long. So like, thank you so much. You have to start podcasts so you can interrogate your favorite authors. No, literally. (laughs) That's my whole motive. That's the best part. (laughs) Origin story as a villain. Readers first, podcast co-host second. You know, no, literally, yeah. I absolutely do the same thing if I had the organizational skills. <laughs> that concludes our interview with Kate Alice Marshall. She writes some of the best horror novels I have ever read. I love how she detailed how she writes paranormal mysteries that follow the rules of the otherworldly universes she establishes, making the mysteries have satisfying and believable conclusions. It was so much fun to hear about how she makes each of her characters memorable. When I reread Rules for Vanishing, I'm going to be on the lookout for any hints at the secrets each character is hiding. It was so fascinating to hear how she writes novels that evoke emotions like fear or unsettlement in the reader organically, rather than writing something intentionally trying to scare people. That makes her books all the more compelling. I also cannot wait to read Kate Alice Marshall's next book, These Fleeting Shadows. You can find Kate Alice Marshall on her website, katemarshallbooks.com, on Instagram at kmarshallarts, 
on Twitter at K Marshall Arts and on Goodreads at Kate Alice Marshall. I will be including links to her social media in the podcast description as well. Feel free to follow us on Instagram too at keeping.tabs.podcast. I would also like to say a huge thank you to Gavin from Tab for editing the podcast. That's it for today, and we will see you with another episode of Keeping Tabs soon. Thank you for listening.